Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. What he did, I tried to take to the next level. Literally started drinking by 12, smoking dope, was sexually impure by 13, was snorting speed, dropping acid, just nuts. I shouldn't even be able to talk all the stupid stuff I've done. But the great part of the story is God redeemed me later on in life. My kids have never seen me drunk. My wife has, but she fought for me, and she fought hard. And what I want to hit on today, guys, is you have been lied to. You have been sold a bad bill of goods. I submit to you, I don't even think there's a politician or newscaster that tells the truth. A lot of textbooks don't tell the truth. And the lies that were fed a lot. You're not good enough. You did this. You did that. I don't know about you guys, but when I came in the kingdom, I was so beat up. I really had no real esteem, no healthy esteem. And the, the esteem and the place in you is in Christ. And I want to encourage you today because I know I'm talking to two groups of guys, those that are really passionately going forward with God and you're, you're receiving pushback and those that maybe are afraid to or you're stuck. Your biggest enemy is going to be complacency. Your biggest enemy is going to be saying this is good enough because there is a warrior in Christ where you don't give up. One of the hardest things I've ever done is stay married to my wife. God bless her heart, but it's been hard. And you reach a point that you're either going to commit or you're not. And you have got to have that commitment. You've got to write that check in Christ to fill his purpose for you. You have to understand as you spend time with him, your identity is in him. I don't know how to properly say this. It's, it's, it's more like something that you learn. But there is a passion in Christ that nothing in this world can put out. Certainly things will come against it, but trials are what make us. You know, by my teenage years, I was already very familiar with the judge back home. I'm from Champaign, Illinois. And my poor mom, the stuff she went through, and we're so close now. And I ended up having to go into the military just to keep from going to penitentiary at 17. And then I got out and got into motorcycle clubs and started doing that in 84. And it seemed like I look back, how did I even survive? And I look back how many people I've buried. You know, I've had to bury my oldest son. I've had to bury my dad. I've buried a lot of friends. i got a lot of friends now that I try and get them to go ride with me just so I can be an influence on them. And that's where the paradigm comes, is you start to be an influencer. If I had this many men that were in love with Christ and wanted to go out, we could win the world. God doesn't need the biggest. He doesn't need the baddest. He just needs people that are sold out. That's it. That's you know, something I found about God, he loves people that don't necessarily fit in. He loves people that are beat up. You know, one of the things when I redo a motorcycle, you usually have to do what's called a head job. You have to go in. You have to pull the cylinders. You have to machine the cylinders. And a lot of times, we need a head job. It's our thinking. Your biggest enemy is going to be how you think how you look at others, but how you think of yourself. What I've found in life, when I treat people wrong, it's usually because I'm mad at myself. 
You know, sometimes when people, I get the maddest, I'm the most like. But here's the deal, guys. It's all about you influencing somebody else. I wouldn't be doing anything. I wouldn't even be in the kingdom if it wasn't for this man. When I walked in his church, you know, I was raised in a Catholic denomination. It was very passive. They really didn't talk about Jesus. I had no idea the love of Christ. And I had no idea the presence of Christ. But there was a quickening when I walked in that church and I experienced the presence of God. It changed me. I was like, man. My wife looked at me and she goes, you putting drugs in the airstream? I said, I don't know, but I'm sticking around. Well, first of all, one of the greatest relationships I've got is with some missionaries in the Philippines. And the minute I walked in that church, they laid hands on me. They were marking me, man. I didn't know it, it was a setup. Let me tell you something. This world set me up before and it set you up before. Christ is setting you up for something big. And this is where the lies. You have to believe what the word says. Get in that word. That is food for your soul. It's the only way you're going to make it. This is the field guide. I was in the military. And one thing I had to rely on was my training and the guys with me. If not, I wouldn't make it. You have to have that, that Bible in you. Man, dig and dig and dig until it comes alive. But walking in there, I didn't want to be there. I was being drugged into there. I didn't want to be there. My wife drugged me to church. You know, I had, a, I had this thought the other night. And I was working on this little song I've been writing. And it was Jesus burned the bars down. And this thought came into my mind because my wife's been there. How many women cries our eyes out because their man's out drunk? And you may be the one to reach them. You may be the one to influence them. But anyway, I come to this church. These weird people are praying for me. All these people, I don't like it. I can't wait to get out of there. We sit down. And I mean the overwhelming presence of God hits me. My wife's like, you think they're putting drugs in there? I I go, I don't know, but I like it. Before, before ecstasy, there was MDA. That's what it reminded me of. She thought we were putting drugs in Yeah, my wife doesn't trust anybody. It took 10 years before she even trusted me. And then this Irish guy gets up and preaches, this maniac named Michael McMenny, and I'm going, whoa, this is all right. You know, he was funny. And they asked for money for the church to do the offices. I stormed out. Got drugged back two weeks later. A crazy African named Never's Moon was laying hands on people. I'm like, what kind of freak show is this? And I left, and I came back, and then this man got a hold of me and would not leave me. I mean, he traced me down to my trailer. I'm a missions junkie because every one of us has a place that we belong. There is somebody you can win to Christ that nobody else can. Every one of you. And if you don't believe it now, I'm going to pray that God shows you. Because all it takes is 30 seconds with him. I don't care what's happened to you. And I know some people in this room have probably really been hurt. Doesn't matter. There is nothing in that Bible that says what this world has done has changed you. You are not the sum total of your failures. You are the sum total of what the Bible says you are. Yes. Deception will cause you to do wicked things. I was reading about the heads of the tribes of Israel, the brothers, Jacob's son, and how dysfunctional they were. I believe if they really knew who they were, they wouldn't have tried to murder their brother and throw him down a well. Yeah. Can you imagine that? What a mind job it was to find that out. I don't want to be a bitter old man because I blew it. I've met too many guys like that, and I don't want to be that. I want to be somebody that hears, well done, my good and faithful servant. And it takes a while. I know we got stuff we got to work through, but 30 seconds in God's presence, and he can change it. And so let's pray. I want to pray for you guys. Jesus, I thank you, your presence in our life. There is nothing, no lie that can stop you from showing us who we are. Lord, your blood 
if we are cleansed in it, and I pray every man would make a commitment for that. If every man is washed in your blood, they are pure, they are whole, they are beautiful. Lord, show every man in this room how beautiful they are to you. How wonderful they are to you. You love them. You died for them. And there's nothing you won't do. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're working even in the walls that maybe we put up. The lives that we've believed and we've allowed them to cement. Wash them away by your blood right now. Wash away every bit of filth, every bit of crime, everything we think we're stuck to. And make us new. Because if anybody's in Christ, our new creation, the old is gone. So, Lord, do a work in Jesus' name. Amen. would uh, take your notes there and turn to the second one, Thrive Church, Man Up, the Wounded Warrior. Thank you for being responsive. Thank you for participating. There's nothing more powerful than a man that participates. There's nothing more deflating than a man who is passive and uninvolved in his family, his community, and his church. The scripture's there, but if you don't have the notes, turn in your Bibles or in your devices to Psalms 127. I notice there are some new men with us here today. We're so glad that you are with us. We had a wonderful move of the Holy Spirit last night. Uh, Men really responded, and I am so grateful for that. Go ahead and put that scripture up on the screen if you would, Psalms 127, 4 and 5. The psalmist said, like arrows are in the hands of a warrior, are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Lord, bless this word to these men's hearts. Thank you for the young men that are here. We move from being boys to men when we accept responsibility. It has nothing to do with physique. It has everything to do with our character. Help us to reflect your character as we studied last night You've called us to be warriors, to reflect the character and nature of our warrior Savior, who continues to fight to this day. We know, Lord, that we all get wounded in life, but you are our healer, you are our deliverer. You shed your blood. There's power in that blood, wonder-working power. Thank you for... Brother Dave Reese and his powerful testimony. He's a new creature in Christ. He thinks differently. He is differently. Lord, we need you so desperately. We want you so desperately. Thank you for Pastor Brian and the leadership team. Most churches don't even do these men's retreats anymore. Thank you that Thrive Church was raised up by you. It is being sustained by you. I pray that the men here would light the incense on fire so that those prayers could be poured out and take Thrive Church to the next level. In Jesus' name, and all the men here said, 
There is one law of war and life, and that is everyone who fights in life and who fights in war will eventually be wounded. Most of us can remember early wounds in our childhood. Think about it. I can remember a 12-year-old boy abusing me when I was five years of age. I can remember it just like that. It's really, really painful when we look back and we look at the people who have wounded us in life, particularly when it was our own father. It is so hard to take. I mentioned to those of you that were here last night that my grandfather and his only son, my uncle, were in the concrete business. And it was the days where you just made your own little barrel of concrete and you'd pour it out in a wheelbarrow and you'd take it over to the sidewalk or the downspouts or whatever it was that you were building with a built-in wooden frames, nothing that's all laid out for you today. Brother Dave worked in a 16 hours a day when he first got saved. I think the Lord was punishing you for past sins. Just kidding. That's bad Catholic theology. I'm just kidding. I don't believe that at all. <laughs> Anyhow, he would work 16 hours a day in concrete. I worked with my grandfather and my uncle and I was never a strong man, I was never a big man, but I've always had endurance. I've always had the ability to get up, work, and keep going. Well, on this particular day, it had rained the day before, and the ground was all soggy and muddy, and, and so my uncle would create the concrete, and if you know what I'm talking about, you have to put in the right amount of concrete mix, the right amount of gravel, sand, water. It's quite a skill when you do it by hand. And then you pull the lever and it dumps it out into a wheelbarrow. And my job that day was to take the ready-made concrete from the machine about as long, not quite as long as all of this across here, on a board, it was a two by six, and the ground was muddy and soft and it gave over to where my grandfather was working on a sidewalk. And so I'm doing that, and, and the concrete's heavy, and I'm, again, not a strong man, never have been, and I don't know, after two or three wheelbarrows, I kind of, the ground was getting soggier, and and it was going up and down, and I lost my balance, and I dumped a whole barrel of concrete. And my uncle, my only uncle, was angry at me and began to cuss me out, and he was a cusser anyhow. But the thing that hurt me so much in that moment was that my grandfather did not stick up for me. He did not defend me. They weren't paying me much anyhow. It was pretty much slave labor. That's the way it was back in those days. I've never forgotten that moment because it scared me as a middle school kid. It hurt me. I've always wondered why my loving grandfather did not defend me in that moment. 
I think all men have father issues. Even if you have or had a great father, you had a Christian father, a good father, a father that provided and protected. Because we are fallen creatures and because all fathers are fallen creatures, I think all men have father issues. Survey after survey has proven in the Western world that the greatest cause of lawlessness and violence in our society is the father issue, lawlessness. The largest county in Nebraska just did a two-year professional, intense, empirical research to discover why crime had escalated so terribly in that county. And they came to the conclusion, not a Christian group, that the reason was fatherlessness. For the top five categories of violent crime, carjacking, rape, assault, right on down the line. The last prophecy in the Old Testament concerning the coming of the Lord says, in the last two verses of the last chapter of the last book, In the Old Covenant, Malachi says that one of the things that's going to happen before the Lord comes back is he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. This is big stuff, men. The reason the wounds from our fathers hurt so much is because fathers are to be a reflection of the father heart of God. I said last night, and I will say it again today, even the very father heart of God is under attack in our culture. Some churches say your Bible is prejudiced against women, and you need to get the kind of Bible that removes all the masculine pronouns and gets a Bible that also uses feminine pronouns or thee and there and whoever you are. It's an attack of the devil. There's a reason we have to deal with the father wound. Because, look at the first point, the warrior who is starved for his father's approval is sentenced to a prison of performance. Write the word performance in there. You know the story in Genesis 27. Esau wanted his father's blessing, but his brother stole it from him through deception. I'm not going to take time to tell the whole story. It says in verse 34 of Genesis 27, when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. Esau and Jacob were in this battle to receive their father's blessing. And when Esau realized that his brother had stolen it, the text says he wept bitterly. He wanted nothing more than his father to bless him. I believe with all my heart that men do better when they're honored. I believe that. Men, we have a need to be honored and loved in the midst of our wounds and our weaknesses and our faults. 
I always tell young men, if you want a woman, don't act like an old bull. Don't act like an old buck. Women want a man that's strong, act like a stallion. They're majestic and graceful and beautiful, but they're strong. Stop being a bull and be a stallion. Come on. I read about an international conference on wartime stress. It was in Tel Aviv, Israel, and the focus was on the mental health of wounded soldiers. And they were looking at the ways that different countries treated their wounded who were wounded, of course, in the front line. And in the USA, there were many different countries, but in the USA, uh, in our wars, the wounded soldier is taken from the battlefield as quickly as possible, taken away from the combat. His uniform is taken off of him. He's given the clothes of the hospital, which is sick. And the effort is to get them to forget about the combat, forget about the wounds, and focus on their recovery. Israel's tactics are really different. Their first goal is to keep the wounded soldier with their combat units. Keep that wounded soldier with their buddies for as long as possible. And do everything they can medically for the wounded right there on the front line. They leave their uniforms on them. So when the wounded wake up, they're still wearing the uniform of a soldier. They're still identifying as a warrior instead of a sick person. And what was discovered in this study was that the healing was faster and the morale was better because... In Israel, they seemed to value the warrior more even if they were wounded. They wanted that soldier to think of themselves as a warrior even if their limbs were missing, if they were amputated, if there was some significant loss of human functioning, they still wanted that soldier to see themselves as a fighter and as a warrior. There's healing that needs to take place in the wounds that have been caused by fathers, by older men in our lives. And the way that takes place, if you look at your notes there, as warriors, we must forgive our fathers through Christ. Perhaps you had an abusive father physically. Maybe he beat you. Now, my father was very loving, but he was rough. And I'm not saying what he did was right. He'd get in trouble nowadays. But if we lipped off, I told you last night, my father was a professional boxer. And if we lipped, lipped off, he'd just whack us like this. I can't tell you how many times I got a bloody lip from my father. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's the way he did it. But he didn't do it punitively. He didn't do it in anger. He never spanked us, or, and I'm glad about that. But our mom spanked us, and we'd try not to laugh so she'd eventually quit because she was kind of a wimpy spanker. <laughs> Look at Colossians 3.13. It's either in your notes or on the screen. Paul said, forgive whatever grievances 
you may have against one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, here's some things I know about forgiveness. First, forgiveness is a process. You've got to determine what that person who hurt you or offended you owes you, and then you just got to cancel their debts. That's what you got to do. Well, they owe me an apology. They owe me $100,000. You've got to figure out what they owe you, and then I'm just telling you, based on the word of God, you've got to cancel their debts. You've got to choose to forgive. You'll never feel like forgiving. But right choices are what bring right emotions. Now, if you mess with my kids or my grandkids, we'll probably fuss a bit. I'll eventually forgive you, but that doesn't mean we'll be best buds after that. That doesn't mean we're, I'm going to have you over and we're going to play cards together or I'm going to take you hunting or fishing. I'll forgive you because I don't want to go to hell. But I'm not going to sit down and probably break bread with you. Well, you didn't completely forgive me. Yes, I did. I'm just not, you're just not going to be my best friend if you mess with my kids and especially my grandkids, especially my granddaughters or my daughter. Pity the fool, man, that messes with my daughter or my granddaughters. I got two beautiful 16-year-old granddaughters. When my son-in-law came to me and wanted to date my daughter, it was a three-hour interrogation. So he showed up at our church on Easter. She had been a adjunct professor at a missions trip in Chicago, and he was an urban ministries major. Now he's a professor at the same college. It's funny how the circle goes around. He shows up at our church on Easter. He said, can I talk to you? I said, about what? He said, I, and I knew he was interested in her. He said, I want to talk to you about uh, asking you permission for your daughter's hand in marriage. I said, shut up, dude. I said, I don't know anything about you. I don't know anything about your dad. I don't know anything about your family. You're not going to be asking me for my daughter's hand in marriage. We're going to be talking, and I'm going to find out about you. It was a, he was, he's a big old guy, but, but I, I met him in my office at home where I have all my guns, and I told him a few of my hunting stories, including shooting a pronghorn antelope at 420 yards with a 243, which is right through the heart. It was awesome. It was the best shot of my life. And I told him about shooting little bitty old prairie dogs at 200 yards all day long with an, a, with an A-17 or an HMR-17. And I said, I can pitch that bullet in even with the wind. <laughs> I, I finally ended up liking him. And sometime later, he asked me permission. I said, I'll stay out of your life except in two areas. I've worked hard to teach my kid finances, budget and tithing and giving to missions. I've made them all go through Dave Ramsey's. I've made them invest and save. If you mess up my little girl's finances, I'm going to step into your life. Do you understand that? He goes, yes. I said, she's Malvi. She's a smart leader. She's sassy. And even if she deserves it, if you ever lay hands on her, I'm going to blow one of your toes off. He was literally shaken. Well, he messed up financially, and I had to step in. He's crying. He, he got one of those stupid loans where he consolidated all and was paying 28%. So I stepped in, and I said, I'm going to teach you for six months 
how to, the problem is not the amount of money you make. The problem is the amount of money you spend. I just went down a rabbit trail there because somebody needed that. You've got to forgive your father through Christ. You can't do this on your own. That's why you've got to have the love of God in your heart. If they've abused you sexually or physically or they weren't there, they neglected you, they're not very affectionate, they don't know how to tell. Listen, men, one of the most masculine things you can do is tell your son, son, I love you. My son's a big old dude. He played college football. He lives in San Diego, California. That makes me mad why the Lord blessed him that way and didn't bless me that way. No, I'm just messing with you. And when I see my son, I kiss him on the cheek. I don't care who's around. I've kissed your pastor on the cheek before, and I'm not one of those guys. (laughs) I'm a man. Here's the next fill-in. The warriors must accept their father through Christ. You've got to accept your father with their faults through Christ. You can't do this on your own. You need Jesus. Romans 15, 17, the same author of Colossians 3, 13. So accept one another. Everybody say accept one another out loud. Accept one another just as Christ accepted me. Everybody say accepted you, accepted you. Then God will be glorified. Your father's not perfect, but there's got to be something somewhere, some little bit of good that you can celebrate, some little bit of something that you can admire or like, and you can begin to develop a relationship in that area if your father is still alive. Embrace them for who they are, not what you want them to be. That's it. If you have children, I want you to know that you have a God-given assignment to empower your children. You will hurt your kids. I have. I've disciplined them in anger, and afterwards I've humbled myself and said, Son, I hardly ever had to develop my son or discipline my son. He was so easy to raise. He made me look good. You know, he'd travel with me, and preachers would say, man, you need to do a parent-teen seminar. And I'd say, you haven't met my daughter yet. (laughs) Angel, demon, you know. know, Easy, strong-willed child. Wow. But she's an amazing leader now, just amazing. And I'd say, baby, you deserve to be disciplined. I just did it in anger, and I'm sorry, and I've already asked Jesus to forgive me, and I'm asking you to forgive me. And a couple times she goes, well, I'm working on it. (laughs) She's just so smart. We hurt our kids even unintentionally. But life for them will go a whole lot better if they know and hear certain things from their fathers consistently. This is so important, what I'm about ready to tell you. As a warrior, God wants you to empower your children. You tell them, I believe in you. Write that in there. I am proud of you. Write that in there. No matter what, I'll always love you. Your children aren't perfect either, but you believe in them, right? You believe in them. God gave you that child. 
That child may have special needs, but God gave you that child. I'm working with an inner varsity uh, leader out in Sonoma, California, and they used to be a part of our church, and her stupid husband got addicted to pornography and, and divorced her, and his life is just a mess, and she's raising three children by herself, and you know, everybody says, well, yeah, divorce doesn't affect the children. Yes, it does. But God can redeem all of that. You're a Christian man. You're different than other men. And uh, the oldest son is suicidal. And she emailed me, and then I called her. And I said to her, I am so, his name is Zion. I said, I am so glad, Jenny, that you are Zion's mother. Because of you, Zion is going to have a chance to live a normal life. And because of you, the son, the daughter, the children that you have, because you're a Christian man, that child is going to have an opportunity to live a good life. Please don't ever assume, well, my children know that I love them. Don't be an old Scandinavian, Norwegian, German prude. Don't do that. You know what I love about the Filipino culture, Rikert? The men kiss each other on the cheek. I really like that. That's cool. Plus, I like the pond seat. Plus, I like the karaoke parties, dude. Those are so much fun. If you ever get invited to one of those, drop everything you're doing and go to it. They are so... Don't assume... That your children know that you believe in them. You got to tell them. You got to say out loud, son, I love you. Honey, I love you. I don't agree with what you're doing, but I will always love you. You realize for 29 29 and a half years, I pastored in the most liberal town in the state of Illinois. It is the Berkeley of the Midwest. People in Madison think that town's liberal. They haven't lived in Urbana, Illinois. You could get a same-sex union 20 years from the circuit clerk, way before you could ever get a same-sex marriage license that was approved by the Supreme Court. We've had protesters at our church before. So I would say to all my people of ethnicity, because white protesters will treat people of ethnicity better. Take them donuts, find out if they like coffee and tea and what they like in it. Tell them as long as they stay on the sidewalk, it's okay. But if they start handing out literature and step in the parking lot, the popo's gonna arrest them. We got a lot of popo in our church. You just won't last long if you do something bad in that church. I mean, we got state police and county police and we got FBI agents and we got Champaign and Urbana and University of Illinois people and small, you just, I mean, we've got elders that pack in our church. (laughs) And I'm not profiling anybody, but we live right next door to the largest Muslim population in Urbana, Illinois. And whenever there's a shooting that has any religious connotation to it as the pastor, I would always call our elder who was the chief crime scene investigator for Champaign Police Department and was hired often by the FBI and and by the state police because he was so good. I'd say you heard about the shooting yesterday, right? Yeah. Are you guys all ready for tomorrow? Yep. Don't worry, pastor. We got it covered. (laughs) Hallelujah, it's great to be a man. 
Look at Matthew 3.17. Even Jesus needed the empowerment of his father. I want you to get this. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Think about this. Before Jesus ever performed a miracle, he had this assurance that the father believed in him, that the father loved him. He was pleased with them. If the Messiah, the very Son of God, needed to hear those things, how much more do our children need to hear them, no matter how old they are? Our richest compliment can also be our most painful insult. Do you see that in your notes? Our richest or most painful insults can be this. You are just like your father. Write that in there. Oh, Dave, you're just like your father. That can be your greatest compliment or it can be a great insult. Here's that prophecy from Malachi chapter 4 verse 6. God will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. I read a story that happened during World War II and the triage triads policy that the doctors used, they, they color tagged the wounded, which indicated the degree of medical assistance that that wounded soldier would be given. And so red tags would be placed on men who appeared to be hopeless. They were all shot up. They probably weren't going to survive. And blue tags would be placed on soldiers who would survive if immediate medical attention was given to them. And then a yellow tag meant a soldier was wounded, but he would survive even if there was no rapid treatment. It's a true story about a soldier named Lou, and he was brought into the triage, triage for medical review, and, and he was just all shot up, and he, it was full of shrapnel, and so they put a red tag on him. And he was just, they considered him hopeless. His condition was hopeless. And the doctor even said his legs are shot up so badly and blown apart. Even if he survived, life would be excruciating for him. There was a nurse nearby and she noticed that Lou was still conscious. And so she began to visit with him, began to talk softly with him. So at least he would not have to face death alone. And those few moments of conversation turned into an hour. And there was a bond built between the two of them. And this nurse, against orders, just decided on her own that Lou could not be allowed to die. And you know what she did? She replaced his red tag with a blue tag and made it possible for medical assistance that saved his life. That's your calling as a man of God. And it's powerfully pictured in this true story. The master calls you not just to go to church and listen to sermons, but live them dude. Live them in the context of relationships with those around you and especially your children. 
there are countless young people who have been mortally wounded by the enemy's tactics. Fathers who have been absent. Fathers who have abused and hurt their children. And you and I as Christian men, we have the privilege of making the love of Jesus real to a generation and life-changing to a generation. This is what it means to be a Christian man. It is a call to keep changing the tags on people one person at a time. There are so many red tagged young people in our culture and Christ's love needs to throw, flow through you as a Christian man and that's what changes their lives. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. What a powerful morning we have already had. What a powerful word Dave had for us. How the head needs to be taken off and it needs to be cleaned. I'll just say every motorcycle Dave fixed up, it hasn't always run good. <laughs> but when Jesus fixes a head, he really fixes a head. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord, in life and in war, we get wounded. But you're still with us and you still love us and we're still valuable. We're valuable to our buddies. We're valuable to our unit. We're valuable to the cause. You know our past. We don't care to talk about it. You've redeemed us. You've remitted our sins. Your blood's washed away our iniquity. We're new creatures in Christ. We're not going to let our past keep us from our fantastic future. There's men here, perhaps they were abused by an older boy like I was when I was five, and it still bothers them. They've never told anybody about it. An uncle, a grandfather, some acquaintance of the family, sexually, physically, verbally, whatever. God, I pray you do a supernatural work. We cannot forgive on our own, at least to make any big difference. We've got to have your supernatural love, your supernatural power, your supernatural working in our heart. We ask you to do this. We ask you to do this. Guys, lift your hands and praise the Lord out loud for just a minute, will you, Lord? We praise you and we worship you. You forgave people on the cross. You said, Lord, Father, I forgive them. Stephen said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And that included Saul, the young man that was watching the coats. I choose not because I feel like it, not because they paid me anything back, but I choose to forgive all those who have hurt me, disappointed me, let me down. Right now, give these men the power to forgive. They choose it. They choose it. Help them to make the right choice so the right emotions can come afterwards. Blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name, Jesus. 
blessed be your holy name. Thank you for this man's retreat. Thank you for this man's retreat. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Oh,